I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of a land upon which this podcast is recorded and pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be listening here today. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Arcanum. It is me, your host, Jessica Ann, and I am delighted to be bringing you the interview with this week's guest, which is the incredible Victoria Redbard. Unfortunately, I did not get this interview up in time for those of you that may be interested in the retreat that Victoria ran that we talk about later on in the episode. However, I did get this episode up in time for the first of the fuck up nights, which we talk about in this episode. So if you are in the northern New South Wales area or in the southern Queensland region, Victoria and her partner Miroslav are hosting the first fuck up night on Tuesday the 18th of April in Corumban, which is all about the integration of failure as part of the entrepreneurial experience and part of that growth path. So tickets are still available for that and you can find that down in the show notes. Otherwise, definitely recommend connecting with Victoria. Her offers are incredible. Being in this woman's vortex is a gift. Very excited to share her wisdom with you in this episode. And before I let you go, if you are listening to this in real time, so today's date being the 25th of March, I have got an upcoming free masterclass this Wednesday evening, March the 29th at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, so Queensland time. For entrepreneurs who are feeling called into the next level of what it is that they're here to create, and are devoted to making sure that they do so without killing what they've already created. So for more details on the Phoenix Masterclass, I'll also drop the links for that in the show notes as well. Be sure to register for that. And without much further ado, here's the episode with Victoria Redbard. excited today to be joined by the incredible Victoria Redbard. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Vic's work, she is one of Australia's leading relationships experts. She is a speaker, an author, a facilitator, and a relationship counsellor. Over the past three years, she's founded the Institute of the New Paradigm of Intimacy, a globally accredited sexuality school, honing its cutting-edge self-pleasure modality. She's also the driving force behind the Enlightenment in the Bedroom events, the TEDx of, spirit, uh, TEDx of Sexuality, try again, Jess, held in nine locations over Australia. <laughs> she now resides in Northern Rivers, New South Wales, and she has created a space of warmth, gentleness, and kindness for clients to work through the challenges of relationships, as well as create the lives they truly desire. Uh, so I guess my first question is, what is sexuality to you in the 21st century? What do you feel is the trajectory we're going in? Nice. I love that question. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's start there. Um, yeah, I feel like we've been in this reality since I've been in the space to really let go of like a lot of conditioning. There's been a lot of like releasing of these beliefs and ideas and things we've taken off from our parents and generations before us. And I feel like we've done this beautiful wave of being like, kind of like the I feel like our generation is like the rebellion it's like it, I used to when I was growing up and I was a little kid I used to think fuck I just want to be alive in like Woodstock and be in the swinging 60s and you know like I used to see all that stuff all the time be like why, why aren't we alive then and now I feel like we are alive in that you know it's like our version of that and I've really enjoyed this phase of just like breaking three of all the Japoos, you know, like actually I get to be a professional and I get to be fucking hot and I get to be, you know, in my sexuality and like, like revel in that and then let that be a part of it. And for me, that's kind of been the crux of kind of where I see this kind of piece going. It's like, yes, we've 
kind of broken through that in this sort of self-development space and now it's kind of coming towards the mainstream and it's come towards the mainstream it's arced up with all these layers of hashtag me too and fuck I've been sexually repressed in this workplace and this workplace and I've been traumatized and all this stuff so everything's up and it's a fucking exciting time to be alive <laughs> and where I see things are going is like really harnessing that energy I feel like we've been playing you know and we've been playing small with it and what I think gets to happen is like you know the way I've, I've got a retreat coming up in March and the way I've been describing it is like you it's almost like when you first start playing with arousal and your own arousal it almost it's like the arousal running you it's like it's kind of like you let the genie out of the bottle and it's just like oh fuck okay now I've got to move wherever the arousal takes me it's almost like people don't get a choice and it's because a lot of it is repressed and a lot of it's stuck and now it's out, you know, the genie's out. We've had our day. We've had our, like, time in the sun, you know. And now what I feel like gets to happen is we get to harness that energy. Like, my experience of my sexuality and those that I work with is, like, when my energy comes up and my eros comes up, my arousal comes into my body, I go, cool. And then I get to breathe into that. It's almost like I'm expanding through it. And then I get to choose and harness the direction that goes. And so I, what I'm seeing is coming and what this retreat that I'm running is about is, like, erotic community. What happens when we let that energy come up through the body and they're not just trying to explore it for the sakes of exploring it but we're actually trying to harness this energy and we're sinking into something deeper to see what can actually emerge through erotic community through a group of people who are liberated in their sexuality not just for the sakes of being liberated but for the for eros to be on this planet and reside and create mm. Love the layers and depths and nuance that you bring to the way you think about this. And I, <laughs> one of the reasons I was so excited to have this conversation is I'm definitely on board with you around this idea of this like erotic revolution and the idea of eros mm. existing on this planet and creating from that space. And I think that that is really where that essence of sex magic comes mm. into to being. What mm. has been your journey into this space? What what guided you to eros and working with it more intimately? Yeah, um, I feel, I mean, this is a weird one. That's like, are we talking this lifetime or, you know, it's a bit like that. Um, I feel like there's there was multiple shoots and pathways and things that happened for me. And, um, you know, it was almost like it came for me, you know, like there was a time in my life I was living, I moved from, um, well, I'm obviously from England. I moved over to Australia and I was kind of traveling around. I moved over to Perth from the East Coast for, a job in sales and I got made redundant within like a week and the initiation that I went through in Perth was just wild like it was like I couldn't get away from it it was like I try to go for like a, a cleaning job or something and it would be like come and clean my house naked or I try and go for a babysitting job but it was like come and babysit me you know as like an adult man reaching out you know it's like all of these weird things around sexuality and people's kinks and taboos I was like fuck like Perth is like the underworld you know like what it felt like <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, it, it has come for me in ways that I did, never expected it to in this lifetime. And also like my own journey with sexual trauma and like being in an abusive relationship and being numbed out and being like, wow, I've got to build this from like the ground up again, you know, because it was like when I left that relationship, I didn't even know myself as a sexual being. And so that that awakening and, and opening through going through into the dark basically to feel what's really going on in my body and vibrating that back into into arousal into into eros was my pathway into really being like wow I'm not the only one this is happening to 
people everywhere, men and women. So as that journey that you undertook for your own healing, when was the point that you thought this is really the medicine that I'm wanting to be bringing through the world? What was that calling? When did you know that was your path? Yeah. Ah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because when I was in that stage of like the numbness and the the pain and like wanting to open, um, I was like seeking and searching online through social media looking for this work you know I was like where are these people and I couldn't find them like they were not they were not on social media at the time they were not they were underground you know like that was a different era and when I was seeking them out it was like I couldn't find anything that to like it was like I started to seek like sacred sexuality without knowing the name of it really and it wasn't anywhere and then as I started to my body started to awaken all of a sudden I just had all these chance encounters and I actually ended up meeting like a bunch of like the kind of originals, the visionaries, the pioneers of the space that I'm now in and like just having these like meetings with them around the world and different experiences, like just like, you know, just being in Bali and being like, oh, now I've got this relationship with this person and like inviting, I had a little house in the suburbs. This is a good story. <laughs> I had a little house in the suburbs and um, at the time, and I was like, no, I'm going to just start running these orgasmic events, you know. And I just, like, was calling these teachers that were pioneering stuff into, like, my little suburban house and having these, like, orgasmic, really loud workshops in the middle of the suburbs. And we had this fence around the, the side of the house and I had, this, I had like, neighbours, like, peeking through the fence and we we're trying to, like, put all the blinds down. I'm trying to explain to the neighbours what's going on. I was just like, I just was on another planet, like, the way that I was going about this um so I was just inviting all these teachers over and it just became like this place of me just being like inviting this into the community inviting it into the Gold Coast you know I actually think I was one of the it was like me EJ Love and Rosie Reese probably were like some of the first people that were bringing this work to the Gold Coast and um yeah it was like a wild time and and, and I got a lot of trouble I had like the police show up at my door when I left that house, they the landlord texted me saying that the FBI is looking for you or something or some detectives are looking for you. And I was like, what? He was like, shall I give him your number? I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> like, this is like, you know, it was a different time. People just weren't used to this stuff. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question there, but that was a pretty funny time. <laughs> it's testament to sort of knowing you're on the edge of subversion when, you know, there is structures of why we talk about in spiral dynamics it's like that blue level right like all these structures mm. that are being threatened by the idea of this subversive experience that's being awoken in the collective yeah. so I love how mm. I love that experience of how you speak about the pioneering energy and you mm. allowing yourself to be guided I feel that's something you've also really embodied in the way you've created your business how has it felt for you uh, to step into the world of entrepreneurship? So coming from this place of these deep threads and feeling guided, what's that like to channel that energy into, I guess, what's traditionally more of a masculine structure? Yeah. Oh, it's been a headache, babe. <laughs> Absolute headache. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been an initiation. It's been like, yeah, I really feel like I've gone through all of it. I've gone through like the bullshit of just like pushing myself too hard, trying to be in the masculine world and trying to like you know hang out with the big boys really 
Like I, I noticed this, like a lot of my friends in that I have spent time with or like my close people, the people that I go to when shit gets rough are men. And they're not just men, they're like older men, you know, that have been in the business space for a long time. And these are the ones that I really feel have my back, you know. So, you know, through trying to hang out with the big boys, I have had beautiful relationships birth through that. Um, and also I've had to like drink the poison to digest it, you know. It's like now I feel like it's integrated through me. Like I do see a lot of women in this space trying to be like, feminine's the way you know like and I really respect that fuck yeah like awesome and also uh, that's not been the way for me like the things that I've wanted to achieve what I've wanted to create it's not enough and I feel like for me it has been a path of yeah like drinking in the poison integrating that into my system so that it finds how I can be a bridge for both worlds and I think that is largely to do with how I want to show up in the world and the people I want to help like a lot of people that I help nowadays are like entrepreneurial men you know like and because they're the ones that are like realizing that the reason that they're successful and done well in their business is because when they were young they were not focusing on women because they didn't have the option you know and they've like (laughs) they're the ones that are doing really well now because they weren't distracted by their sexuality then but now what they're having to do is recognize that this energy is coming in for them and they're having to actually face that part of themselves so yeah, I guess how I've navigated that is by uh, wanting to swim in both in both ponds, you know, like, yes, deeply feminine, yes, deeply erotic. And also, like, this is the real world and this is what the world is, how the, where the world's at right now. And I think that's a, uh, I think it's a path of the Dakini in general, really, like uh, the women that I really see that are doing the, part, the work as a Dakini in the world. Um, and just for context of your podcast, I guess that, that word might not be so common, but like the Dakini path is like, you know, the spiritual consort, the sexual consort, the one that is bringing this information. It's like the consorts were supposed to be worldly, like the geishas were worldly, you know, all of these um, people that come, the courtesans, they're all coming from these different timelines and ancient times were deeply worldly in all the ways, you know, they, they didn't just like show up in their niche and have everybody come around to that. They knew a lot about a lot of different places. So I do think, part of the path of the Dakini is to drink the poison and integrate it and find its way through to like the, how the world really wants to be. Cause there's actually nothing wrong with where we're at. It's just about keeping the evolution moving. I deeply feel that. And I'm a hundred percent a stand for this idea of integration because while mm. we continue to polarize to one end of the spectrum or the other, we're just continuing to create that pendulum swing. So inevitably mm. it, it is requiring people that are those those pioneers and the people that are wanting to see change to, to be the ones that I guess um, have have the taste the poison, integrate the poison to be able to actually understand. Like I often mm. talk about this with my clients as Trojan horsing. Mm. So it's like I'll understand, I'll build the structure and I will infiltrate. However, what I'm carrying with me is also, you know, that energy of subversion and allowing people to to access places that otherwise they potentially wouldn't have. Mm. So yeah. in terms of magic, because this is one of the big things that I'm wanting to bring through in this podcast is this essence of magic and understanding that we're all doing magic. We may as well get good at it. What has been your path with magic? How has magic worked with you, through you? Yeah. 
I don't know, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like, I feel like I've been into magic since I was a little girl, you know? Like, I used to be, like, walking around my garden, like, picking dill flowers and different herbs and things and putting, making potions, you know? So I think it has been the path of the witch, you know, my first brand that I came out with. So, yeah, a bit about my story. Like, um, I did Ayahuasca in 2016, and I was like, show me my career, show me my purpose, all those pieces. That was, like, the part that was really, like, yearning for so deeply inside of myself. And, um yeah, she just showed me everything, you know, and she just went boom, 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 boom. Like it was just like fireworks and like everything. And I was like, great. She just gave me like a 10 year plan. This is awesome. <laughs> I came back and it was like done within like three years. I was like, oh, that was, that was a lot faster than I expected. <laughs> you know, like all of the things that, you know, from nothing to something happened really fast for me. And I remember one of the things that I took, got a hit for when I left Ayahuasca was like, oh, you need to come out in the world as Tantric Witch because that's the way that you're going to, um, like, keep get the people that you want to come to you and the people that that you want to repel, you're going to repel them with that name too, you know. And I thought this was, like, really, like, I was like, fuck, this is such a radical name, you know. And then I came back to Australia and I launched the Tantric Witch and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, there's, like, sex witches everywhere. Like, all people are doing this. We're all caught catching on to this reality. So, yeah, it has been... Um, yeah, this path of just realizing that, like, I thought Tantric Witch was going to be like, I was going to attract the right weirdos, but it was just like the world was just ready. And I think Ayo like, knew that. I think that's why I was being guided to, like, step into this witch piece and really, like, own it. Um, and there was a moment for me, actually, in my career where I stopped working with a Tantric Witch and just went to my name. And I think that was the moment of integration of it. You know, it was like, okay, well, the witch is already here. I don't need to front face with that anymore, you know? Um, and I'm I'm talking about the witch archetypally as the healer, as the, um, you know, the potion maker, these things. It's like I'm doing all these things anyway and working with oils and working with aphrodisiacs and working with teas and different things that I journey with. And it's all part of the practice. It's all part of dropping into your self-pleasure, dropping into your body, honoring the body to find a way through. So, yeah, that's my relationship to magic. And then there's obviously a lot of ritual and ceremony and that's really what self-pleasure is you know like somebody once said to me like I wrote a book about self-pleasure they were like oh this is just a spell book you know <laughs> I was like yeah it is <laughs> like I was like it's like every single ritual that I put in there is just like a spell that you're casting to come deeper into your body and that's ultimately where I believe the magic lives I love how you keep picking up the in these threads in this container, like you know, if the container of this podcast even lies. I'm thinking of a question, like I really want to ask her about that. Next thing you just start answering it, I'm like, okay, good, that's taken my question. <laughs> um, that's the thing I was going to say is, particularly being that you have got this visionary archetype integrated, you can see the idea of of where the future is going, what is required, what are people mm. deeply yearning for. And often there's this experience, particularly when I talk to a lot of people that have that integrated visionary archetype, it can sometimes feel challenging as to know when to drink the poison and, and when to hold strong. Is self-pleasure and your ritual practice what has allowed you to navigate where to where to surrender and to integrate and where to to hold hold the um, hold the frame? Yeah. Um... I'm just like, how deep do we go? I mean, where, where's your, where are your listeners at when it comes to magic? That's kind of what I'm wondering right now. Hmm. Uh, I want to, I'll maybe explain a little bit about how it is for me in self-pleasure and if it resonates, it resonates. 
basically when I talk about going into self-pleasure, it's about finding all the places in my body where um, where maybe I'm not inhabiting, you know. That can look like as simple as like, oh, I'm triggered, there's a contraction, I'm going into the contraction, I'm finding that. Um, but it can also look like um, places where I'm letting in other opinions, you know. There's a lot of other opinions, there's a lot of noise in social media and in the world and through mentoring and through the coaching space. And my piece on that is that um, if I'm actually fully vibrating all of me, like in every single one of my cells, and my cells are filled with that energy of like the non-dualness, basically the the space of like emptiness and fullness. It's like when I vibrate all of my cells in that, you can talk to me all day and penetrate me with as much information as you want. It's like I'm going to know what's truth and what's not versus when I'm not inhabiting the parts of my body and I'm not fully, uh, if I'm parts of me are dissociating or parts of me are contracting or parts of me are believing that I need to be something other than me which is something that happens when we're not connected to our body, then when I'm being penetrated with all this information, I'm actually going to get quite lost. And then I'm going to start acting from action. I'm going to create action from a place that's not aligned with the deepest truth for me. So that's kind of where my 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 practice goes into. It's like how much can I fill up the parts of me with more of me <laughs> and just move from that place. And I find that's the easiest way to be aligned with my message, aligned with myself and aligned with the deepest truth that I can find in this moment. I do think that is super relevant because when I'm having conversations with coaches and inevitably we all go through those points where we hit glass ceilings and there's periods where we're reimagining ourselves, potentially going through pivots, bits and pieces. And often when we're at that vulnerable junction point is often when the noise seems to be at its loudest so I love the point about coming back to the body and allowing you to fully be at home with yourself and then moving from that place as opposed to just reacting to the periphery yeah what do you feel is the biggest misconception about embodiment work about sexuality still in this personal development space thing that comes up straight away is like that you have to be more feminine or more masculine it's like this conversation is so tired now I feel like it needs a little retirement you know like get a little holiday home up in the, on the, on the west coast or something <laughs> um I yeah I would like to see the integration of that conversation for me it's like you need to think about masculine and feminine until you actually can evolve past that into a different place. You know, like I have a lot of people come to me, you know, like I do part of my work is working with couples part of, and working with people that want to improve their sexuality, that want to do that. And, um, you know, and like I said, working with more like these entrepreneurial men, it's like they're so deeply in the masculine in their lives that a lot of what actually creates the, um, I don't want to say fixing their sexuality or fixing their relationship, but like uh, evolving it and growing it and and deepening into it as them actually going, oh, I'm actually can be, I get to embody all these frequencies. I don't have to be stuck in any particular archetype as a provider or as a, um, you know, somebody that does things in a certain way. It's like when you let go of identity is when your true sexuality can come online. And any part of us that's stuck inside of, this has to be like this and I need to be like this because I'm female or I'm male or I'm this or I'm that. It's just like holding us back from the truth of like the aliveness of this moment. 
I remember when I was ca catching up with Miroslav and he told me about your topic for um, Taste of Love Festival. I just had this moment. I was, like, <laughs> I was literally clapping. I was like, this conversation needs to be had more. Like, even if you think about the human vessel as a giant battery, right, we're just running this energy mm. constantly. Batteries have a positive and negative polarity. So mm. why would it be more efficient to have your battery only have one pole? I mean, it just does mm. not make any sense. So I love that you touched on that because I think that is a conversation that often triggers the hell out of me as someone that <laughs> <laughs> I had someone tell me once about the concept of being too spirited, which was something that the Native mm. Americans really, uh, really were aware of, was that idea of mm. a person born with both integral masculine and feminine energies, mm. almost as though they had mm. two souls. So I think yeah. it's funny that we've had to move away that from that as a society just to create more, I guess, civilization, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad to see that this is re-emerging now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of this path of business, particularly when a business is integrating these esoteric principles, if you could go back to Victoria in 2016 when she had just sat with her ayahuasca journey, mm. what would be some of the biggest tidbits that you would give her to support her on her journey no just it's all temporary you know um like every single you know like it's almost like what I probably would say is like you have to become like what is needed for the evolution you know and it's just like let go that any of that is your identity yeah, I think that's what I, I like. That's a lot of what happens in my mentoring space as well. Is like really just encouraging people to recognize like um, the difference between where alignment sits and then where um, you need to become and stretch outside of the parameters of who you are to discover the next layer of your evolution. It is a big piece because so that marriage to showing up in the world in a particular way is ultimately where we do create that limitation for ourselves. And it's often where a lot of grief happens. Um, we start mm -hmm. to yeah, become an argument with our own reality. Yeah. So what's next for Victoria Redbard? <laughs> I have a few things on the agenda this year. Some I can talk about, some I can't yet. <laughs> um. Well, I have my retreat coming up in March and that is for those people that such as yourself that are connecting into this visionary portal that recognize like this work of Eros and coming into, you know, what I've been tracking is like, we've got Eros. We kind of, like I said, the rebellions happened. We've, we've had our day in the sun and now the next phase actually of Eros is working with power. And that, that power is really around shared power. So my retreat is literally around like the incremental stages of how we like come into sharing power in the way that we we see that it can be shared, how we work with this eros and harness it in an erotic community, how we allow that to actually be sent into the places that we want to um that we want to create. Like, and this is what I'm really opening to is like I feel like I'm, my personal evolution right now has really been in a stage of like letting go of a lot of um ideas around authority inside of myself inside of how the industry works um what it really means to be an expert in your field to walk a mastery path um so that's kind of what the retreat is reflecting is like how do we open to that and then other than that we have um this actually is 
hot news, haven't announced this on social media yet, but I'm going to announce it on your podcast. Um, we're opening up a new Enlightenment in the Bedroom in the Gold Coast, which is really exciting and it's getting bigger and there's talks of it's not going to be me running it, it's actually going to be um, – Maybe I'll leave that as a question mark for now. <laughs> I'm going to leave it with, it was somebody that was on Big Brother and I think you might know who that is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, then I'm going to leave it with that. But, yeah, there's talks of, like, getting in DJs, like, taking this to the next level. Like, how? what are the, the sexuality leaders that we can get in to really take this to another level? And I feel really pumped about that and excited to see, like, what's possible if we, um, yeah, if we crack that. So, yeah, lots of things on the agenda. Enlightenment in the bedroom, um, starting up a new community event actually called, um, again, this is not public news yet. You're getting all the exclusives today, Jess. <laughs> um, we're starting, Marissa and I are starting a, an event on the Gold Coast called Fuck Up Nights, which is for entrepreneurs who are going to share their stories of failure. Um, and when I heard this, I was like, I just, I just need this in my life. You know, I need to hear more stories of all the things that go wrong. I've realised this is like, the greatest people at walk the mastery path that have the greatest wisdom are the ones that are that have walked the path of of really like in, in integrating their failures so yeah we're going to get some people on the stage that from the entrepreneur space that have really embodied these failures and share their stories so that we can all learn from them um that's probably going to be coming out maybe end of march time so yeah these are kind of the exciting pieces there's a lot more community events a lot more like yeah getting back out there so post pandemic and sharing some of the things that are alive i love the idea of fuck up nights like that feels like an oxygen mask as opposed to a lot of what the social media highlight reel has become so that's yeah, so yeah. exciting mm, cool <laughs> well, um so thank you so much victoria is there any closing comments you would like to make before we we close this container um yeah, what's alive is I really appreciate the magic that you're bringing, Jess. Like, I love that you're weaving this esoteric magic entrepreneur space. It's really deeply on my heart, and I just, I just see what you're creating, and I really honor you in that. Appreciate that. It's like definitely some of the questions I was asking. I'm like, well, these are also kind of for me. So it's good. It's good to know that you know there's people that have walked this path and are continuing to push mm. boundaries. So really appreciate it. And mm. for those of you that aren't yet connected with Victoria, I'm going to be sharing her social media details in the mm. show notes. So definitely go and give her a follow. Mm. She is absolutely mm. incredible at what she does, and really excited for what she's bringing forward mm. over the next twelve to four, four years, twelve months to four years of mm. uh, the twenty twenty six yeah. vision. Thank you very much. All right, honey. Thank you.